It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Top Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me as ever is Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? Yeah, I'm in a great mood. That is so much better, honestly. That has to be one of the most enjoyable experiences covering Spurs that we've had for a long time. Um, incredible atmosphere, really enjoyable game, exhausting game at some points. But uh, yeah, it gives us so much to talk about. We've got so many kind of little facets of that performance to dive into and also what comes next. Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium really was rocking on Saturday evening. 2-0 win over Manchester United. Pape Matasar getting the first of the evening and then it was an own goal from Lissandro Martinez towards the end of the game to give Tottenham their second. I'm sure Ben Davis will be claiming that as his own though. But I think on the record books, it is unfortunately going to go down as a Martinez own goal. But three points... A truly incredible atmosphere throughout the 90 minutes. It really was uh, a special occasion in N17 on Saturday. So, Ali, first of all, do you want to just give us your thoughts on what a great day it was? Yeah, it, it was just terrific from start to finish because um, we obviously headed outside, didn't we, before the match to go and check out the demonstration that was going on led by the Tottenham Hotspur Sporters Trust about the increased matchday ticket prices. Obviously, a very worthy demonstration. The cost of football is just ridiculous nowadays. And, and obviously, just to take, you know, some of the figures, just to take your family to watch a football match now. And, and, and at Tottenham, you know, are up there as well in the pricing ticket. So certainly, I can understand it. Um, it's just it's just incredible. So many families being priced out of going to watch football and it's becoming something that, it's kind of almost like for a, a day trip nowadays, if you can't get a season ticket, it's maybe for those who are, can once a season can afford to go. And that's a really sad thing for something that used to be a real match day ritual for a lot of people, um, a weekend ritual. Um, so, yeah, we went outside, got to see that. It was about what we reckon about 300 um, at its kind of strongest point, which was, you know, it's really good for a, for a, it was a very organised, structured demonstration. And what I thought was the most important part of it as well, well, actually, its message was the most important part, but the an important other element to it was the fact that the Trust made a very clear definition between outside the stadium, we're going to criticise the club, criticise their decisions, and really kind of show our unhappiness at this rise in ticket prices. However, as soon as we step inside that stadium, we're going to give absolutely everything to support the team. And my goodness, did they. It was 
we could barely hear each other at points talking to each other um, as we were trying to discuss bits that had happened in the match. And that's it, obviously it's not ideal for us, but it really is how it should be. Um, you know, we had that amazing final season at White Hart Lane when it was like that pretty much every match. It was just rocking from start to finish of the season. It's like an emotionally charged campaign. And I felt Saturday evening was the closest kind of we've got back to that. I think the North London derby under Conte was probably the loudest I'd heard other than that um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it was just because this was constant. It wasn't even there wasn't moments where it kind of really quietened down. It was just this constant noise. Um, They were just so up for it, the Spurs fans. And they've really forged this quick connection with Ange Postacoglu, which we'll speak about as well as this goes on. And yeah, I just thought, It's such a cliche, but the fans were absolutely the 12th man because that first half, there were some nervy moments early on for Spurs. There were some moments when the game could have gone against them and it could have had a different narrative by its end. But I felt like the fans just kept kind of picking the team up, kept encouraging them. And that was the real atmosphere. It was very much, uh, we're actually really enjoying this. We're enjoying what we're seeing today. And and yeah, more of that, please. But it was a really encouraging atmosphere. You know, we've all sat there. We've seen moments when it has not been encouraging. <laughs> it has been the complete opposite of encouraging, especially for certain individuals out there on the pitch. So to see this, where everything was a constant ringing endorsement of what Spurs were doing, was huge. And I think it played a big part in the, the team just slowly or gradually getting better and better and better. And points in that second half, Spurs were just playing Man U off the pitch. Man U were chasing shadows. And I watched it back, uh, bits of it um, this morning and last night I saw Billets. And I keep watching that goal where I think it's Basuma does a little flick and it goes to, I think it's Udogi, who then plays in Son. And Son cuts across and it goes past a couple of challenges. If that goal had gone in, it would have been one of Spurs' best goals of the season already. As in, we would have looked back in months to come and said that in the opening home game was one of the best goals of the season. Um, And there were so many bits of moments like that. And like I say, so much for us to talk about. And just one of those ones where we really felt privileged to be there to report on such a game. And we certainly have not felt that in some of the recent years. It could have been more than 2-0 as well. Given the uh, chances Tottenham had, obviously you mentioned that one song. Uh, had what would have been a really good finish. Destiny a doggy had one what was saved at the near post by yeah. Andre Anana. Pedro Porro hit the crossbar. Porro hit the crossbar. had one as well. Yeah, Sars cross as well, which was deflected, I think, by Luke Shaw onto the yeah. post. So, but it was uh, also the one where Saar had a shot that was saved. He tried to follow it up, and he was kind of tackled as he did it. Yeah. And that was actually a good chance as well. Yeah, so a number of opportunities in goal. And I mean, that's always going to be the case in the Ange Postacoglu team. And to do it against one of the best sides in the Premier League, it certainly bodes well for the uh, coming season. And I think Tottenham fans are just wanting so much more now from this uh, Spurs team under Postacoglu. I think what we'll start with is Ange's team selection. As it's fair to say, a few eyebrows were raised uh, because I think... A lot were probably expecting Ange to, you know, stick with the same back four from the Brentford game, but it was Pedro Porro who came into the team rather than Emerson Royale. And I think that's the decision fans probably questioned uh, most because Emerson didn't do anything wrong against Brentford. And, you know, when you're coming up against the front three of Anthony, Marcus Rashford and 
uh, Garnacho, you need a good defensive base. And what we've seen from Porro when he's played at a right back so far, he struggled because he's more of an attack minded player and struggled at Newcastle in that 6 1 defeat, struggled at Liverpool couple of moments in pre-season as well uh, where he struggled as well but fair play to him he delivered his best performance in the Tottenham shirt by some way and uh, Ange Postacoglu's decision to put him into the team was fully justified as was the decision as well to put in Pape Matasar who came into the team instead of Oliver Skip and he deservedly uh, got a goal to his name. Yeah, I you know, you look for a manager to make an impact and obviously other than the overriding impact he's made on the style of play, to make two changes that were both absolutely spot on on the day were, you know, full credit to him because we'd kind of heard murmurings as the day went on that it could be Poro and Saar coming in. Um, and yeah, it's fair to say eyebrows were raised. Mine pretty much went up into my fringe uh they went this kind of went so high because mainly Poro I think I could understand absolutely um Saar coming in for Skip in terms of just a different dynamic and maybe a little bit uh of a more forward-thinking thrust at home to it but with Poro absolutely I thought Emerson had did have some iffy moments with balls over the top against Brentford and he did struggle a little bit like that uh with that but then going forward I actually felt he did quite well and obviously got his goal against Brentford Emerson, but and Porro, especially in preseason, there's been so many instances where goals had come from areas that he was meant to be covering. So you're like, ooh, would you really want to trust him with the pace that United were going to throw down the flank? But 100% made everyone eat their words, doubts, concerns, whatever, because he was excellent. Like you say, I think there's been performances he's had that maybe been more eye-catching in terms of he scored goals or he's put in lovely crosses for goals. But in terms of defensively, I think that was his best by a country mile. He was so good. I'm trying to think of many instances where they got in down the left. I really, as in their left, I can't think of many. Um, I thought Porro was was outstanding. And it was actually quite nicely timed that we'd spoken to him out on tour and the interview we'd done with Porro hadn't actually gone out. It'd been there's so many interviews we did. We have to kind of hold some over and hope that they didn't date. Um, and Porro was one of those. And we just happened to put him out a couple of days before this match. And then lo and behold, there he is starting in the lineup. Um, and he spoke in that interview about the need to to change um, and try to be something different as a right back. Um, and I'm trying to look if I've got the quotes here somewhere. He said, "My position under, as in under Postecoglou, will be a defender." but the system is different and I'm happy with whatever comes. Um, and yes and no, there is a big difference, but being a right wing back is being like a winger and I tried to adapt to that position, but it's still different when you're attacking because just as a natural right back, you have to surprise the opposition because obviously I guess, yeah, as a wing back, you're constantly so high up the pitch, whereas a, as a right back, you've got to make these unexpected runs. And he said, you've just got to get into the habit of defending. I've gone forward uh, since I've been a professional. So in coming back, it's always a bit more challenging, but I keep on trying. And I think Mickey van der Ven uh, explained it after the game as well, that they just spent all week, the defence, working out exactly when to drop, when to run back, when to stay high up the pitch, when the fullbacks would invert and come inside the pitch. And they'd made a real focus on that. And you could see... And the thing I think we I said to you before the game, um, you know, is that the fastest back four that Spurs have had for years as a unit? I can't think of many because 
I can't remember if it was you or someone else suggested, you know, obviously you had Walker and Danny Rose at a time of very like lightning quick down the wings, but at the fullbacks situation, but centre-backs, you had Vertonghen and Alderweireld who, you know, let's be honest, they're not 100-metre runners. Um, but as to actually have now two fast fullbacks, Van der Ven, who is just incredibly pacey, Romero, who's no slouch, I think that's got to be up there. And so what would happen was every time the ball was played forward, and the likes of Anthony, Rashford and Ganacho would fly up the pitch, they were being matched for speed. Spurs were able to turn and the defenders weren't getting caught on their heels and it makes such a difference with a high line and it does make you worry for people like Eric Dyer. You know, we've seen Eric Dyer hasn't even been a part of the squad and it is entirely noticeable and it, it's also what makes you kind of really see why a Clement Longley return doesn't probably make much sense because while he's very good technically you would worry about him having to turn and deal with uh, the balls over the top, which is the, one of the natural kind of counters to the Postacoglu system. But I thought, yeah, Porro was excellent and he desire, deserves all the credit he can get, really. Um, I'm just trying to think if I can remember any point where someone got in behind him, and I really can't, and that's a massive testament to his performance. Yeah, there was a bit of a scare in the opening few minutes, I think, when he gave the ball away on the edge of yes. the box and Garnacho well, had an effort. Yeah, of course, uh, that Vicario save. But other than that, no, he was defensively sound, had an impact in the final third. Uh, I think straight away played the really good ball down the right to Dane Kuliseski when Spurs hit them on the counter. Uh had a shot that hit the crossbar. No, I think that was by far his best performance in a Tottenham shirt. And I think you could maybe say the same for maybe Papa Matasar as well. He was absolutely fantastic. I know the performance he had against uh, AC Milan in the Champions League was really like a coming-of-age performance. But I think this one was his best in the Premier League. And I think it made everyone else you know, uh, who supports Premier League clubs and who were watching the game, you know, stand up and, you know, take notice of this really impressive midfielder because we've seen it in glimpses uh, so far during his Spurs career. And I think it was probably unfortunate in the final few months of last season that he didn't play that often, even after that brilliant, brilliant showing in the San Siro. Mm -hmm. But he's just made for Ange Postacoglu's system. And, you know... In a week where Chelsea spent 115 million on Moise Casado, 58 million on Romeo Lavia from Southampton, Tottenham's deal for Papa Matasar is an incredible piece of business. I think it was 14.6 million uh, they paid two years ago, obviously, when Fabio Paratici was at the club. He uh, struck a deal with Mets and value for money already. <laughs> I mean, his value has just gone to absolutely skyrocket. He was fantastic. He's uh, so athletic, just constantly up and down the pitch, really good at carrying the ball. <clears throat> and what you saw from his goal, it's the movement, just watching it back earlier. It was actually pretty much next to Pedro Porro when he fed the ball to Dane Kuliseski and made the really, really good run into the box to make himself available and it's a good finish as well because the height it falls to him it's one of these where he could easily knock it over the crossbar and that just meant so much to him you could see from the celebrations and then when all the players came to join him but I think that goal's been coming for quite some time because 
what we've seen from him, he does love a shot on goal from any distance, really. And, you know, credit to him. And it was just fantastic. And there were a couple of moments after his goal where, you know, the noise in the stadium were just as loud. They did, they do two crunching tackles. I can't remember who the first one was on, but the second one was on Marcus Rashford. And the fans in front of the press box, they were on the feet. And, 100% he deserved that standing ovation when he made way uh, with 15 minutes to go. And I think that standing ovation will be the first of many for him at Tottenham. Are you saying a saw was born? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, I could say that. <laughs> this is the thing, because we're now on YouTube. People are getting to see your reactions <laughs> and your face when I come out with rubbish puns. Um yeah, if you're not aware, by the way, and you're listening to this in podcast format, we do now um, put these out on on YouTube on our uh, Spurs FL YouTube channel as well. So, uh, yeah, we've had to kind of make sure that we're actually kind of uh, fully dressed and shaven and all this sort of stuff, haven't we? Now, not that we're sitting naked with beards doing it. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be a whole move other... on. Get back on. That would be a very now. different podcast, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, Sar was terrific. He really was. Um, it does make a bit of a mockery of the lack of use of him last season. It really does. But then, let's be honest, I know there'll have been issues behind it and reasons, but going back, there's going to be a few decisions Conte made that I think are going to look strange in light of you know this season and what we've seen so far, particularly in the midfield. I do think it's a lot of it's to do with different systems and different managers and different players able to excel within them. Um, and different skill sets needed, but still, I mean, Casemiro, Mount, and Fernandez were, cost 172 million for United. Um, Spurs midfield is about 100 million less it cost coming up. And I'm, I've got to be honest. And again, this is not meant to be disrespectful to Mason Mount whatsoever, because I really like Mason Mount. I think he gets a bit, quite a bit of criticism, and I don't think he really deserves it. I forgot he was playing. I really did. There was one point towards the end of the first half when I realised he was playing for them. I completely forgot. I don't know whether... He's got different hair at the moment, hasn't he? He's got like a blondy kind of hair. Whether it was just that, I think it was probably also down to the fact that he touched the ball so few times. I think he touched the ball only 27 times in the entire game. Um, and that is testament, again, to how well Spurs' defence, but also midfield did. And, yeah, going back to Saar... I do think that that season he had back at Mets was so important. I think people will have looked at that on paper who hadn't been following because you and I obviously, if you're not aware, Gessie and I do a loan roundup every week and keep a close eye on all the players when they're out on loan. Um, and people just looking at it on paper would have thought, oh, he went back to Mets, they got relegated. You know, that's rubbish. And it just kind of, it wasn't in that for him as an experience, it wasn't quite like that. It was... A season where, as a lone player, knowing that he was going to Spurs, he could have disconnected slightly and not given his all. Just think about his future. He didn't. He gave absolutely everything. He was only 19 at the time, played the majority, started majority of the games. I think he played almost every game, but started the majority of them as well. And towards the end of the season, Papa Matassar was one of the main reasons that he was still in there with a chance, some of his performances. Um, and I think it would have just taught him so much about fighting, working hard, dealing with the pressure and like the dreams of the fan base and, and obviously Mets wanting to stay up in Ligue 1. And 
I think all of it played a big part in shaping the kind of character uh, as a footballer he was going to become. And it's kind of some of the stuff that Postacoglu loves about him, his, his energy, his never giving up, kind of never die um, spirit. And yeah, he's, he's a funny character. He's like, he's almost seen as like a bit of the kid of the squad. I know there's some that are younger than him, but he seems like a bit of a joker. And you always see various players with that. have got him in a bit of a headlock, ruffling his hair and... Sonny and Basuma have kind of taken him under their wing as well. We saw that little moment of uh, Richarlison and him having a little bit of like a play squabble on the bench after they'd both come off. Um, and he's just a very popular character. And you saw that when he scored the goal, they went mad around him because they knew what it meant to him. His first goal for Spurs, his first Premier League goal. And he was, his, his play was excellent because like you say, it's the all-round play. Those two big crunching tackles whipped up the crowd even more. And also, the run for the goal, I thought it was very fitting that about, what, 20 foot, 15, 20 foot behind us was Deli Alley sitting watching on because it was a Deli-type run. It was one of those ghosting into the box runs and finishing at the back post that I'm sure Deli would have looked down and thought, you know, that that's, that's nice. That's the kind of thing that I would have done. Um, and I am starting to come around to the thinking, what do you reckon? Basumi the new Dembele. Madison, the new Ericsson, Pap, Pap Matesar, the new Delhi. Maybe. Uh, just the midfield is so good at the moment. I said it last week. Mm. I think it's got to be up there in terms of one of the Premier League's best. And then you've got Rodrigo Bensonker to come back in. Absolutely. It's incredible options at the moment. And I think the best thing is the midfield trio are just going to get even better with more game time working on the Postacoglu, yeah. but no, it's uh, it's looking very impressive and you could say, yeah, totally agree with the new Dembele, obviously uh, Deli and Ericsson as well, yeah. Yeah, I think obviously Deli is probably a more advanced player than, yeah. than Pat Matissar, um, although he could play. That, that, I, that was one of the things I was thinking when we looked back and saw Deli kind of smiling and enjoying watching the game. He was with Eric Dyer. I don't know whether he was the guest of Eric, and it was, uh, you presume maybe he was. Um, but, I, you know, I did kind of think, I wonder what Deli and his kind of pomp at Spurs would have been like in that midfield three. I think he probably would have really enjoyed it. He probably would have been... Well, I think he would. I think he would have fitted the role that Pat Matissar played, that box-to-box role, because he kind of did that under Nuno, didn't he, um, in those early months? It was a bit of a... And he actually, I think, early on for Spurs under Poch, I have a funny feeling, maybe in his debut against Leicester, he was playing almost alongside Eric Dyer. It kind of rings a bell. Um, but yeah, there's, it's exciting times ahead for Pat Matissar. He's, he's very young, so there's going to be moments when things don't go right like who did he give the penalty away against last season late on uh um, southampton away southampton. wasn't it but i mean that was an extremely questionable penalty it was it was to be fair. but more my yeah absolutely was but i think more my point is that especially with young players and especially in the postacoglu system people are going to make mistakes they are so kind of i think it's key now that people just show a bit of patience around a very young player um, who's got so much, he's got a high ceiling. He really has. And Postacoglu loves him. Um, it was quite funny because Guesty and I was sat in a slightly different seat to normal for yesterday's game. So it kind of gave us the experience of having different fans behind us, let's put it this way. And there's one guy that just shouted throughout the game, 
kick it out, kick it out. <laughs> it was just like, have you not been paying attention to the Postacoglu way? That's exactly what he doesn't want them to do. Because I think this guy was getting frustrated at the fact that occasionally Spurs were trying to play the ball out around the press and they were going to get caught for it. And it was going they were going to give the ball away. And that is something we're going to have to get used to. It's going to happen. And they will give away goals from it sometimes as well. But Postacoglu will want them to continue to do that because the benefits way, way outweigh the, um, the negatives from it. And um, because the beauty is, is if you've got a team that are pressing that high, you pass around them, they're stuffed because there's so much room in behind them to get in behind. And we saw that against Man U. Towards the end, their defence, Man U, were all over the place because they were having to deal with the waves of Spurs attacks when the midfield and attack were all the way up the other end of the pitch because they tried to press and it hadn't worked. So, yeah, it was quite funny to hear, kick it out. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that if we ever had to sit in those positions again, in about six months' time, that same guy will be going, play it out, play it out. <laughs> Maybe he'll have, he'll have kind of been indoctrinated into the whole uh, Postacoglu way of thinking. But, yeah, I thought Pat Matasar was superb. I thought he was very close for me to Basuma to be a man of the match. I think it could have gone either way with the two of those. Basuma got it, rightly so. He was... Um, in terms of he deserved to be in the in the running for it because it's just scary what he's doing right now and how different a player he is under Postacoglu to what he was under Conte. He is just, it's just like someone's undone a padlock and he's now just kind of free to go and just be the midfielder that we know he can be. And he loves Postacoglu. I love the way that he talks about Postacoglu in that we've always been led to believe that People maybe players have been a little bit scared of Postacoglu, and he's quite this intimidating presence. Like, right. he just, but just talks about it as if he's like his uncle. He's ah, oh, he's like this lovable rogue kind of thing that he kind of gets on with really well. And I think that's a deliberate thing from Postacoglu. I think he's tried to kind of foster this relationship with Basuma where it's like, I believe in you. You know, you're you're going to be my man in the middle of this midfield. You're going to make everything work and it's all going to tick and, and you're going to be the hub of everything. And Basuma has loved that. He's been given responsibility. You can see him constantly talking to the other players around him. And he's just loving it. I mean, I saw him dancing off the pitch after the, the uh, they did the little laugh of appreciation as well. Um, and there's one thing I have noticed. I still think his fitness needs to improve a little bit. And I think that's the same with all the players, to be fair. But I think especially in his role, because it's such an energy-sapping role, there were times when I think I could see him maybe conserving his energy. There were times when I felt he, if he was super fit, he would be tracking back a lot quicker than he was. And that's something that maybe could be an issue in a couple of the games if he isn't going to get back as quickly as he should. But that's not to take away from his defensive performance. Um, I think I might actually have the stats here. Um I wanted to get them right. Basuma had uh, five tackles, one interception, three clearances, and one block of a goal-bound United shot. So he absolutely did his share defensively. But I think when he gets super fit, he's going to be motoring up and down that pitch for 90 minutes with no issues whatsoever. And I think having compared him to Dembele earlier, I think the one thing he does have that Dembele didn't is that I think Basuma is very dangerous around the opposition box as well. He's got such fast feet, such an ability to suddenly shift the ball in a different direction to the way he was coming. He can twist, he can turn. Uh, there was one moment where he had a shot. He could have played to Son or he could have just done a better shot, but that, that was definitely a chance he created for himself. Um, yeah, very impressed with Basuma again. And then you got Madison. And I thought, 
Madison continues to surprise me of how good he is with his feet. And that must be a nightmare if you're a defender. If you're a defender seeing James Madison coming at you, you don't know whether he's going to suddenly deliver the ball on a sixpence for another player or whether he's going to just dribble past you at ease. Um, there was one run he did from the edge of his own box through the centre of the pitch. It was a bit Gazza-like. It had all the elements of the kind of the sloping run that Gazza would do. And it looked almost like the ball isn't in his control, but at the same time, it absolutely is, and the other team can't get it. Um, yeah, honestly, I, I can't say enough about that midfield three. They're going to be tested a lot as the season goes on, and with all of them, it's going to be a case of whether they can steer clear of injury. Um, and certainly with Madison, I think that's what we're uh, waiting to see exactly what that situation is with him. Yeah, everyone's just hoping it's positive news on the injury front because he limped through the mix zone uh, after the game. He was on crutches, had a protective boot on. Uh, so I think it'll just be over the coming days where we actually find out what the extent of the issue is. I'm just trying to figure out when exactly that problem occurred was it in it the first down, half when he went down in the area because i think was romero down in the box yeah, at the same time i wonder if he took a big whack and then the adrenaline kind of got him through the rest of the game well he played on a good hour or so with that oh he played the full 99 minutes yeah yeah and i actually watched footage of him walking off the pitch at the end and he had there was nothing there was no he wasn't walking off gingerly or anything but you know as, as you said now it's about the case of you've got to leave it 24 48 hours for the swelling to go down Probably I'd imagine they'll have done a scan today and then probably do another one when the swelling continues to go down and, and hopefully there's nothing in it. And it was just something that was very sore. But yeah, it was that right foot. So oh, he's been so integral to everything Spurs have done from an attacking point of view. They, they can't... I mean, obviously, Lacelso would be the obvious one to probably come in to replace him. But still, Madison's made such a big start for the club. Yeah, very, very impressive. Thought it was really good at uh, Brentford last weekend and equally as impressive, maybe even better this time around. It's just having such an impact in the final third uh, for Tottenham at the moment. And it's going to turn out to be an absolute transfer bargain uh, for the club. He's just so dangerous in and around the penalty area and you just can't understand why you know, more clubs weren't in for him because he, he always... Mad. Always did the business at Leicester and it was the season before last where I think it was 30 goal involvements uh, in all competitions, which was uh, extremely impressive. And, you know, as I said with Sarah, I think Madison's just made for Postacoglu's system as well. And, you know, if he is missing for this weekend's trip to Bournemouth, then that potentially opens the off Giovanni Lo Celso uh, to come in who... Not a bad replacement to bring in. We saw how well he did during pre-season. Uh, a couple of goals to his name. So he'll be uh, looking to make an impact on the team because he'll be fighting for his place. Because at the moment, given how well the players are playing, it's going to be hard for those, you know, on the periphery of the starting eleven to force the way into, into the team and then become uh, a regular. But hopefully it will be positive news uh, for Madison because... I mean, he's had such a big impact on the team so far and he's going to continue to have uh, over the course of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing that we kind of forgot about, or I forgot about when we were talking about the team selection was Postacoglu was actually quite clear about the fact that he just wants to look at players in games as well. It's not even a case, I don't think, of 
I mean, obviously, there'll be a slight tactical element to it. I'm sure there will. But he also, he made it clear that with Emerson and Skippy coming out, he didn't feel they'd played badly. He just wanted to see how Sar and Porro did in his system. And he kind of hinted at the fact that he will continue to do that. And then maybe in the next couple of games, we'll see players come in that we're kind of like, why did you change such a good winning team? But he is going to probably before this transfer window closes, just have a look at a couple of players and make sure how well they can fit his team. Um, because, yeah, it, it does make a difference. And I was just thinking, going back to the valuation of, you know, Mount Casemiro and Bruno Fernandes at 172 million, we often criticise kind of elements of Spurs transfers. And, and mainly, I know a lot of people moan about the amount of money spent, but for me, it's always been more... I do feel that they spend a fair bit of money. Obviously, it's not like silly Chelsea figures, but I do feel I spend a fair bit of money, Spurs. It's always been for me as who they've spent it on and that they've kind of maybe just haven't properly thought out exactly who was the right person and who has fitted the system the best and who was better for the long term at the club as well rather than short-term signing. But then you've got to look at people like Basuma and Madison where they've come in and they've got two players in the last year of their contract for 30 and 40 million pound respectively both players look like 100 million pound players yesterday both of them look uh, sorry Saturday looked absolutely incredible and Pab Matasar like you said under 15 million pounds and if he was playing for Brighton yeah Chelsea would be signing him for 100 million probably <laughs> because pretty much it seems like everyone that plays for Brighton right now um, is going to be uh, getting the attention of uh, Chelsea or Liverpool um because, yeah, and, and I think, to me, there's some... I, I still don't understand why people didn't go for Madison. I'm delighted they didn't. Maybe there's a stigma around a, a relegated player, but then obviously Lavia's gone to uh, to Chelsea. Um, maybe there's a worry about the injuries that he had in the last couple of years at times, maybe. But he's an England international, and he's a very, very talented England international as well. Um, Postacoglu adores him there's some really good quotes he said afterward about just feeling like they got Madison at the right time in his career he's kind of settled down now he's a father of three now with those twins that came along a couple of weeks back um, and he was just looking for a club where he could go to a next level and just give everything for the club and really show a desire to, to be someone that Maybe that's the whole point of it. Maybe the fact that other clubs weren't seriously looking at him, maybe there was a point for him to prove now as well. Um, and I just think he's thrown himself into Spurs' life as well. He's so made a point of looking to impress not only his teammates, but I kind of feel the fans as well. Obviously, we have to always be kind of temper how much we put into players' social media accounts because obviously they also, many of them have people that help them out with that. But I also feel like, there's this real sense of him trying to, whether it is because of those historic tweets we've spoken about in the past where he kind of had a little pop at Gareth Bale and things like that, but he's really made a genuine attempt to win over the fans with the things he said. And it's like, I can't even repeat it, but it was, come on you beeping Spurs, although technically he didn't say the word. Um, he's got his son singing, come on you Spurs on his social media as well. Uh, yesterday, he replied to someone saying, just to make it very clear, I've never been a gooner and things like that. And it's uh, little things that are such tiny little things, but actually make a big difference and they spread among the fans. And I think with the teammates, he's really quickly, and this is, I think we all kind of saw 
Madison is maybe a bit of a lad, didn't we? We saw him as one of those guys that maybe just enjoyed himself a lot around the game. He kind of had that that Grealish kind of idea to him as well, I suppose. But from everything that's kind of coming out of Spurs, is, and Postacoglu said it, so it's not like it's like top-secret information, he's really applied himself at Spurs, really been a, a leader, and that's why he's got this vice-captaincy role, having only been at the club for a month or so, and has just looked to... I think he and Sonny were both excellent in that regard on Saturday and being experienced heads really kind of pushing on, especially down that left flank when you had Udogi and Van de Ven, you know, 20-year-old, 22-year-old, and obviously you got Saar in the team as well. I thought they were really good at kind of talking a lot of the younger players through the game. And, uh, yeah, I've been so impressed with Madison. I hope that these scans show nothing uh, of any serious nature because, again... He could really be like the missing link, I think, for Spurs this season in terms of the playmaker, the creative player that also has. I also always used to say this about Ericsson that Ericsson was quite rare because he was a playmaker who would also do more running than probably most players in the pitch. I think actually they've managed to kind of lightning struck twice in a way. They've managed to find in Madison a player who does as much running on a pitch as Ericsson does. And he will get goals. I don't think we've seen that element yet. He will score goals for Spurs as well. We haven't seen that, obviously, in a Spurs shirt yet. But he's going to put the ball in that net. So, yeah, I, honestly, I could wax lyrical about that uh, that midfield three for, for a long time. But I know we've got to move on to others. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, you can see the mark he's made at the club off the pitch uh, in, what, five or six weeks since mm. he's joined the club or since pre-season training started by the fact he's been named vice-captain because 100%. it's one of these where you don't expect the new signings to come in immediately and be made captain or a vice-captain. So he's clearly shown to Postacoglu what he can do on the pitch and just how good a leader he is uh, off the pitch as well because he, he wore the captain's armband a number of times for Leicester City uh, in the past. So, yeah, he's quite clearly made his mark uh, on the football club so far and there's still so much more to come from him. Then another player we need to talk about uh, who you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, uh, Destiny Doggy. He just looks like he's born for the Premier League. I mean, it does take the foreign players quite a bit of time, some time to adjust to the pace and intensity of the Premier League. Rodrigo Bentecker and Dane Kulaseski, two players who basically, you know, instantly made the mark, whereas 
in the past, you likes of Tongi on the belly have struggled, but Destiny Adogi, he's just an incredible player and another great piece of business by Fabio Paratici. He's just so cool on the ball, even when it's uh, in dangerous positions, takes his time, picks the right pass, and he uh, he's just having such an impact in the final third as well with his runs going forward, uh, coming inside at times, and his link-up play with Son's really good as well, and perhaps unlucky not to be on the score sheet against Manchester United as he did have good opportunity in the box but I think as was the case with so- uh, Papi Matasar I think the goal is going to come for Destiny Adogi uh, sooner rather than later Yeah I mean like you say you and I are always preaching patience when it comes to foreign players coming into the Premier League and especially young foreign players you know, they're going to need time they've got to adapt Destiny Adogi is just like now nah, you're right <laughs> I need to get going now and he has absolutely made that left-back spot his own within two games. There's there's no reason now for him to be ousted other than injury or a drop in form because he's shown that despite his age, he can handle, you know, Anthony going, going down the flank at him. He's absolutely fine with it. And and that's a player who obviously has, has caused real issues for quite a few fullbacks um, over the last 12 months or so. And... Yeah, I can't say enough good things about Destiny Doggy. Obviously, I had the, the pleasure of speaking to him on the tour and he's very, I think, self-confident. He knows what he can be and, and what he is, but he also knows what he has to do to continue to improve and that's going to be a big thing with Postacoglu with him. Um, and like you say, I think the link-up with Son is huge. Obviously, we had some question marks over the Perisic-Son uh, link-up last season and whether that truly worked or not. Um, and, yeah, I feel like with a doggy, there's... and you, It's very rare for this to happen with players, but almost like there's a bit of a natural link-up there already. They seem to know where each other going to run. Um, like I said, I think that chance I mentioned earlier for a doggy, that was a lovely reverse ball from Sonny into his path, and there were a few of those. Because a doggy, like Porro, they're both very comfortable in this inverted idea of coming into the centre of the pitch as well. And that lends itself naturally to these runs into the box as well. So, yeah, 20 years old. I mean, and also, I suppose, the relationship between him and Van der Ven. That's also very quickly seems to have forged an understanding between the two of them as well. Um, You know... I said this before the Brentford game, but chucking in a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old together for their debuts, um, Premier League debuts, and now seeing them again a week later against one of the the better attacks in the Premier League, it was like, I wouldn't say it was nothing to them, but my goodness, they just look like they've been there the whole season. And as we said previously, they're only going to get better. They're only going to get to understand each other even more. So... It's so difficult to try and not get carried away and overexcited at these first two games, but there's so many little positive things that can be built upon. It's very difficult to try and uh, yeah keep expectations low down, and especially knowing that they've got a full season without European football, where we know Postacoglu is going to be on those Hotspur Way pitches working and drilling all of these things. I said Van der Ven mentioned that they'd worked all week on the training. Imagine doing that every single week without a midweek game interrupting that. Each weekend, they are going to be so ready to play the Postacoglu way. 
<clears throat> and as Postacoglu said, as soon as they start doing it instinctively rather than through instruction, that's when you'll see his team fly. Um, and it's all come about very quickly. This, this, this. I don't think we can underestimate how big this result can actually be in a lot of those players' minds being justifying what Postacoglu is doing, kind of telling them, there you go, you've instantly been shown how it is. Because this wasn't... Some people might look back and say, oh, yeah, well, Nuno won his first three games as manager of the month. I'm sorry, but there is no way you can compare any of those matches to what we saw on Saturday and the things that were happening on that pitch and, and the progress that is clearly there and still to come. Um, but I still think, even with that, Postacoglu said it himself, I can say all I like, I can say lots of nice words, but ultimately I'll be judged and people will be able to see in what I do and what the team do is how I'll be judged. And th- th- like I say, the fans were eating out of his hand by the end of that match. And and you can see why. And I think the players also got a big appreciation for just how well his system will work if it's done in the right way. People are worried about the defensive side of it and how open they'll be. But then they can play against Man U with all of their attacking riches and get a clean sheet from it. Albeit, yes, a couple of moments in the first half, uh, little ropey moments, and obviously, um, who hit the? Was it Ganache or was it Anthony hit the post? Anthony hit the post. Anthony. Yeah, that was it. Uh, obviously, we had the Romero penalty appeal, which is subsequently um, various referees have said no that 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 was right. That was that shouldn't have because of the proximity shouldn't have happened. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, as I say, very difficult to uh, temper the excitement at the moment because we've had so little of it over the last few years. Yeah, I think what you've got to say is it's the start, it's a good start, but there's mm. more to come. And Postacoglu will be ensuring those players keep their feet on the ground, continue to work hard because he's still got so much to do in terms of implementing his philosophy. So, yeah positive start to the season I think you've got say four points from six against Brentford and Manchester United is uh, a decent return uh, overall especially but, after that pre-season that was a mess yeah yeah totally uh, just as I said it's a start and there's more to come right we're halfway through the pod so Ali do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN of course. If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering, there's no lagging and you can stream your favourite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. It is something that I've used many, many times. I was using NordVPN long before they came on board as our sponsors of this podcast. It's a brilliant service just to be able to watch the things that you would normally um, want to watch at home, but for some unknown reason, uh, as soon as you cross a, diff- a line into a different country across the border, they stop you being able to watch what you're already paid to watch. So this way you can switch your device to thinking it's just back home in the UK and you can watch whatever you like. It's a really, really helpful service. And on top of that, it's also really secure and it stops you if you're or anyone on if you're on public Wi-Fi getting into your device and and taking any bits and pieces you do not want coming out of your phone and any important details. Uh, and not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a cheaper rate. For example, you could book, let's say, flights from another country 
and that could be cheaper if you were booking them from that country. So it means that you're paying out for Nord, but you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Let's talk about Guglielmo Vicario because uh, he had an incredible game uh, for Tottenham on Saturday against Manchester United. Didn't have the maybe best of stats against Brentford the week before, a bit shaky at times in terms of his passing and coming out of the goal, but I think that was a performance that will put a lot of Tottenham fans' minds at rest. Uh, He saved Tottenham uh, a couple of times. Obviously, Manchester United had an awful lot of the ball in the first half and there was an opening for Marcus Rashford when he took in Anthony's touch, but Vicario was there. Brilliant one-handed save to deny the England striker. And then, as good as that save was, it was nothing compared to the one I think around the hour mark, maybe. Uh, United had a free kick. It was Bruno Fernandes who swung it in. Casemiro met it. Absolute bullet header. Look, destined for, for the back of the net. And there was Vicario, one-handed save. Tips it over the crossbar. Uh, that had Tottenham fans on the feet. We've seen a couple of times in pre-season where it has been quiet in games, but then all of a sudden, I think it was like Shakhtar and Barcelona. He's had to make a fantastic save. And yeah, he was just jolly on the spot there to tip it over the crossbar. And there was... One more was pretty much like a carbon copy uh, in stoppage time. Varane had a header uh, again, but destined for the goal. Uh, but Vicario was on hand to tip it over. Uh, the Varane one was offside, but you can't take that away from Vicario's save because he didn't know that at the time and it was fantastic. And we spoke with Vicario in the mix zone after the game and uh, obviously he was talking about his save and doing it for his teammates but I think the one thing what stuck in my mind what he said about Tottenham is they can play even better what's Mm. a really really good thing so there's certainly more to come from him Uh, and he was also you know praising Hugo Lloris who still hasn't got his move from the club just yet and he did mention that even if the number one shirt becomes available He's sticking with number 13. That's his number and he will be keeping that number. But I thought Vicario, as much as we praise Saar, Basuma, Madison, he deserves the plaudits as well because that was an outstanding performance from him. Yeah, I spoke to him out on a tour. He's a good communicator, isn't he? You can tell that. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely, some of the players have already said that he's very, very good in terms of communicating what he wants the defence. And I think we saw the classic football thing. I was about to say football fan thing, but it's journalists do it as well, of writing off a player after one match. <laughs> it's just madness. It really is crazy. Um, you know, yes, there's going to be some like Destiny Doggy that are going to fly in Benson Kerr and Kuse, although Kudusevsky was written off after his first game as well. Um, and with Vicario, I do think he wasn't helped by the fact that David Raya moved to Arsenal around the same time as he was putting in and I'm even loath to say it was a shaky performance against Brentford because I do think he was suddenly playing behind a brand new back line that was changed after 11 minutes that had a bunch of kids in there as well. Let's be on it. Well, sorry, two kids were on his left-hand side and Van der Ven playing for the first time and a doggy. Um, and the thing for a goalkeeper, I think we probably said this in the last pod, the most important thing is knowing when to come out and when to stay on your line. 
Um, and that is just as much your decision-making is based on knowledge of the players in front of you and whether they will step back or whether they will go forward and there will be the space for you to come out, whether you even need to come out. And he wasn't aware of that. He didn't know what those players were going to do. So he was trying to react and that was making look hesitant or rash. Whereas, as we said earlier, Van der Vensainer had the whole week to work together as a unit and you could see the difference. He looked comfortable. He looked controlled. He knew what everyone around him was doing. His handling was really comfortable whenever the ball came his way. He made, I think fans do need to see some kind of showy saves. I think that just kind of reassures them that, oh, yeah, obviously he's a very agile, acrobatic keeper as well. Um, there was none of those moments where it pushed the ball out into the center of the goal mouth as well. Um, and he will, as we say, and as you said, he will only get better as well as the team. Um, people kind of forget, I think, that I think there's this element of because they haven't, he's like almost out of sight, out of mind. So just because they've seen David Raya be a very good Premier League keeper, and I'm still not entirely sure why he's gone to Arsenal, where he may not play many minutes, but that's a whole other thing. Um, because Vicario has been playing in Serie A, many Spurs fans might not be aware of the fact he was one of the most highly regarded keepers in Italy. You know, the last two years, he's been getting rave reviews. Bear in mind he was playing for Empoli, who were not a team that were up there um, challenging at the top, but he was week in, week out, essentially turning them into a, a mid-table team when really they could logically be, you know, flirting with relegation. Uh, and he was getting so many plaudits for his style of goalkeeping. And it got him into the Italy team. You know, he was on the bench in the Nations League, wasn't he? Um, and, yeah, I think there's sudden thought that, oh, he's just some kind of cheap uh, alternative to uh, to Raya. He's not as good, all of this. Yeah don't know that until you get to see it and I thought we saw a really really confident performance and that was excellent and look we'll see how he adapts fully to the Premier League but I thought that was a really promising uh, game and like I said his English is excellent he's a really fascinating character have a little look back obviously read Guesty's interview today from the mix zone but also have a little look back to the the kind of long chat we had managed to get with him out on the tour and he spoke about his life and the Ukrainian family that kind of he looks after in his family home in Italy, which is lovely as well. And why he's called Venom as well. That's his nickname. Although Postcoglin calls him Vic, which just for some reason makes me think of this old boy at the back um, between the sticks. Um, but yeah, he Postcoglin said that afterwards. He said more so for him. He just needed that kind of game and those showy saves, I think, just to remind him just, yeah, you, you're right. Don't worry. You're absolutely ready for this. Um, and, it, you know, he's got everything about him to become a long-term solution for Spurs at the back, as Lloris was. And I actually felt even the one thing that maybe was the area he, he knows he really has to improve on because it's something he didn't need much at Empoli. But I felt his short passing under pressure, pressure was really good against United. We saw some elements against Brentford where it was a little bit shaky. But against United, I felt every time he had the ball and used it, he, he used it pretty well. Um, you know, there are going to be mistakes. All of them are going to be, we have to get this into our heads that there are going to be mistakes when they're trying to pass around a press. But I felt like, yeah, this was a massive positive from Vicario and hopefully long may it continue. Yeah, to the other end of the pitch now, uh, someone who certainly struggled a bit on Saturday was Richarlison. He led the line again, playing in the front three alongside Son Hyun Min and Dane Kuliseski and 
things just didn't fall his way. I don't even think he had a, a shot on goal. Uh, certainly one for the want of trying uh, because there was that one bit just before he came off where Dan Kulisewski swung in a really good cross from him. He was trying that all, all he could to get ahead <laughs> on Superman. that. Superman. He flu, didn't he? Yeah, almost straight into the south stand. The pace he was going <laughs> to try and get on the ball, but it, it just didn't happen for him. Uh, but what didn't he did do, he works as hard as ever. That was clearly on show. His hold-up play and spreading the ball out at times was good, but ultimately as a striker, you're going to be judged on your goals and the amount of chances you have and it's just, it's not falling for him at the moment. Uh, I think he desperately needs a goal and you can see there was frustration there when he was going off the pitch. He was chuntering to himself. He was, you know, uh, I think trying to get things off his chest when he was speaking to Emerson Royale, but I think that was just frustration in terms of how it had gone for him. Not that he was, you know, really disappointed to go off the pitch. I think it's just a bit of frustration there at the moment. And I think the best way for Richarlison and getting that frustration out of him is just by scoring goals, but he needs the chances. And as you know, Son and Dan Kulisewski and the midfielders have to create chances for him, but he has to, you know, as well, try and create some openings for himself. But hopefully it'll come. I think he just desperately needs a goal. Uh, so fingers crossed for him this weekend at Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean... At the end of the day, he's a £60 million player that isn't scoring goals and he's an attack and he needs to, absolutely. And the fact that Spurs had 17 shots on goal on the day and not one of them came from Richarlison, it it isn't good enough. I do think there is an element, and Postacoglu said this after the Brentford match, of them not using him enough. You know, he, he touched the ball 28 times during the game. And only Mount 27 and Ganacho 25 had less out of the two starting lineups, less touches the ball. Um, that could be to do with his runs. Perhaps his runs weren't good enough and put him into the space. I do feel like Son and Kudusevsky, who had decent games, I wouldn't say they were both amazing, but they had decent games. Certainly um, both kind of had important moments within the match, but neither of them I can really remember particularly setting up or trying to set up Richarlison for many opportunities and that's something that has to kind of change like you say the ball in for the the one where he kind of flung himself almost up to the skywalk that was yeah that that was a, an attempt but mainly over the last two games I kind of remember more Madison trying to play through balls to him and things like that and I think that's something that has to change absolutely I think what he does have on his side Richarlison is not only that work rate and the fact that he's going to be battling for everything but Postacoglu really likes him Postacoglu sees in him someone that fits his system down to a T. And look, we know there's a certain Harry Kane-shaped hole in Tottenham's attack. Of course there is. And there's no denying that in this team, regardless of the fact whether you could argue that Harry Kane would have fit the system as, sorry, fit the Postacoglu system like previous strikers within the system would have, Harry Kane would have scored a bucket load of goals for Spurs. He would have, absolutely. But what I would say is kind of slightly going back into that, is that yes, Richarlison is a more natural fit for the Postacoglu system. Again, I've got to really make sure that people don't take that as me thinking he's better than Harry Kane in it because he's not because Harry Kane is an incredible world-class player that can adapt to anything or the team can adapt around him. But what I would say is that Richarlison doesn't fit that natural kind of uh, prototype for um, for a Postacoglu centre-forward in that essentially they are like a sacrificial lamb. 
They just give everything over to the team. They've got to run for stuff that maybe will never happen. They've got to press constantly. They've got to throw themselves at the opposition. They've got to be all elbows and shoulders and essentially just disrupt the the attack to often allow maybe the attacking midfielders to run in unnoticed because the defenders are handling them. But you've also got to score goals. And we saw that with Kyogo, Kyogo at Celtic. You know, he was a similar kind of player, but would score ridiculous amounts of goals despite everything he was sacrificing uh, for the team. So, yeah, it's a case of maybe it's just a, something's got a click, a confidence thing. Uh, the team maybe just got to, like we say, create more for him. But actually, there were some interesting quotes he came out with. Um, I'm seeing if I can find them here. He spoke to ESPN, ESPN Brazil after the game. Um, I might have them in a little bit here because I did think actually it's quite a a good way to um, understand what he's going through and what you expect from himself as well. Um, absolutely not padding here while I'm trying to look for the quotes. Um, I've got them here. Yes. During the training, I've been scoring goals. I think it's a matter of time for the goals. I think the fans have to be a little patient. It's not easy to replace an idol like Harry Kane. Like it or not, a match in which I don't score a goal, they're going to miss him. He is a guy who scored more than 200 goals for the club. It is taking that as an example and trying to score as many goals as possible in a Tottenham shirt. For sure, that is why Tottenham paid dearly for me. That is why they put me here. Now it's up to me. I have to do the job. I know my responsibility. And he was also asked about why he was a bit annoyed coming off. And he said, it was more with myself because I didn't get any balls in there to shoot. I didn't have the I didn't have to receive the ball. I have to be close to the goal. I didn't receive any ball there. So I was more upset about that. It wasn't for the substitution or anything. So he's kind of saying there, pretty much the two things we've touched on. He was annoyed that he didn't get more sh any shots on goal, but also annoyed slightly that there wasn't a lot of service to him. Um, and he wasn't able to get in front of goal and have those opportunities. But he's going to have to create more for himself. That's going to have to be some of the elements he's got to add to his game. I think his hold-up play is absolutely fine. He holds it up pretty well sometimes when he's got the ball at his back to goal. But if there's anything he can learn from Kane, I think it is that he has got to also fashion chances for himself. And that doesn't mean he has to come really deep to get the ball. It just means making those kind of runs to find those little pockets of space where he can do some damage as well. Um, so, yeah, I do think with the whole Richardson situation, and we're going to talk a little bit about transfers towards the end, but I do feel like Postacoglu is going to give Richardson every possible chance to succeed. Um, and the fact that he's also got Sonny that can play through the middle as he did later in the game, it kind of ties in with everything Postacoglu keeps saying about how he doesn't think they'll look for another, another number nine type. Um, and how I don't think it's any coincidence that we're seeing the attacking targets linked to more like Gift Orban or Brennan Johnson and players like that. And and they're players who, yes, they can play through the centre, but they also could play out wide. And they're maybe not the big physical target man types. They're more fast, um, good finishers, I'd say. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Auburn later, and especially in terms of the physique side of things. Um, but I, I think that's why a lot of people are calling for and thinking that Spurs are going to sign another number nine type. But Postacoglu keeps saying that they're probably not. And I think that's why I think he believes that in Richarlison, they've probably got the player that can fill that role. And it's just a matter of time when it suddenly clicks for him, but also bringing other players that can kind of play through the centre if needed as well. 
So with Richarlison making way, it was even Perisic who came on and Ben Davis replaced Destiny at Doggy. And it's fair to say the two substitutes made their impact uh, in the closing stages. It was even Perisic swinging the ball in, Ben Davis getting very deft touch on the ball uh, <laughs> with Lissandro Martinez getting the final touch, which went beyond Andre and Nana and into the net. Pretty sure Ben Davis will be claiming that as his own. You could see uh, during the celebrations when he was running away, he was pointing at himself, basically saying, I got the touch, it's my goal. But what it was good to see uh, Perisic making a big impact in the final third once again, because we've seen that in pre-season uh, from him, a number of assists in the West Ham and Lion City Sailors game. And, you know, on for, what, 15, 20 minutes or so uh, against Manchester United and getting an assist. And I think we'll probably see the best of Perisic this season, certainly a lot better than last season because he's playing in more of his natural role where he spent the vast majority of his career playing as a winger. Uh, a left wing back last season, I think he got 12 assists, really impressive numbers, but I think a lot would, say they were disappointed in terms of his impacts regarding his general play in the final third wasn't maybe at the levels we've seen previously into Bayern Munich, Wolfsburg, but he's someone who the Andrew Postacoglu said wants him to stick around at the club and there's going to be opportunities for him there where he comes into the team and with that experience from last season, I think he finished the season better. I think it was the Bournemouth and Liverpool games where he played really well, but unfortunately, after that, the minutes tended to dry up under Ryan Mason. But having had uh, a year in the Premier League, he's got that experience now. So I think hopefully we will see a better, even Perisic, over the course of the season. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, just only because it kind of relates to this and position-wise, very briefly going back to Son and Kulusevsky, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that they're all talking about playing in positions they love to play in. Uh, and I think the same is for Perisic. I mean, Kulusevsky, looking at his quote after the game, he said uh, why, how his roles change under Postacoglu. He said, I don't have to be a wing-back when we're defending. So I, I'm enjoying it a lot. And it's absolutely true. And even Sonny, in his, um, he was talking to Sky after the game and he was saying about, you know, it's... Uh, I was trying to find the one... He said, uh, I, "100% it's enjoyable for the players, for the attacking players. I don't know about the defenders, the defenders, but for me, it's playing high, pressing high. It's an easier job than running 70 meters behind. And it's there. It's, it's they're not 
trying to have a pop at Conte. They're just saying Postacoglu is allowing them to play the kind of football that they are meant to be playing and the what where they're meant to be playing on the pitch. Um, he says, as an attacking player, when you play in their half of the pitch pressing, when you win the ball, the distance is shorter to the goal than when you're in your own box. And I'm really liking it. It's just natural. And I think going back to Perisic, that's exactly the same for him in that I think he can be an absolutely fine wing back, maybe in different leagues, but in the Premier League, I think it was just too much of a challenge, the up and down nature of it. Whereas as a winger who can help out in defensive times in moments when he has to it actually fits him really well and I actually thought all the substitutes came on and did really well um, I don't think anyone dropped the level uh, I thought Hoybier came on yeah he played a couple of backwards passes but he actually did a lot of progressive play as well I felt he really pushed the team forward in what he was meant to do I felt yeah Perisic obviously is a lovely ball the control from Madison's pass I don't think has been spoken about enough it just kills the ball dead as soon as it gets to his feet. And I think, you know, he and Postacoglu have really found a little bit of a connection as well, which will help over the course of the season. I thought Ben Davies came on and really progressed the play forward and obviously got into the box for the uh, the goal. And yes, I saw, I think he did an Instagram, but I didn't even realise that he's become a dad very recently by the looks of it. I think his little son, Ralph, got his first little, he was putting him on the pitch in his Instagram photo I saw and he was saying that, Ralph thinks it was my goal as well. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was rolling wide, but um, it was the move. It was more about the run than anything for me from Davies there. And, you know, people know my thoughts on Ben Davies. I'm gonna, I, I would fight to the end of the earth for Ben Davies to not be lumped in the category of he's part of the problem. Ah, you People know I don't like him being lumped in that because I think as a squad player, He's absolutely perfect for a squad. I think he can do a job. He's a great influence behind the, the, the kind of the scenes. He's someone that gives everything for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and I think as a mentor and experienced head for Udogi this season, I think he'll be brilliant. I think it's a role that's absolutely suited for him now as an older player. What is he, 30 now, I think, Ben Davies? Um, yeah, I think... He and a doggy is a really nice blend of a partnership for different matches and different kind of things. Um, I do worry about Ryan Session when he's fit. I think, unfortunately, it probably is going to be him heading out the door. And I think it was going to be that case this summer had, had the hamstring problem not reared its head again. Um, Manor Solomon, I thought he came on as well and was very bright. A uh, lovely little moment of skill down the touchline uh, when, he, when he beat his man. And he will bring another option for Kulusevski. And you've even got Brian Hill still to come back as well. Um, and I do think Postacoglu will like Brian Hill. Obviously, he's been kind of robbed of the chance of using him thus far. But this is the thing. Obviously, we're talking about bringing all these players in. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying, no more transfers. They're all there. They're fine. Because Postacoglu himself has said they need, he'd like to upgrade in defence, midfield and attack if he can. But I do think there's a really nice blend forming among the different options that he's got in the roles. I would probably say the one maybe is through the centre uh, in attack where maybe you could. I'd like to see another option as well. Um, that's probably where, yes, Sonny can play through the centre, but probably if we're seeing him and Perisic as the left and Solomon and Kulusevski on the right with Brian Hill when he comes back from injury, it's probably through the centre you need that second player. Um, I asked him about Dane Scarlett ahead of the game and he said he really likes him and he said just hasn't he's got to make his mind up this week 
whether Dane heads back out on loan or sticks around with the team. Um, but I still think you probably need one more face to come in there up front. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the subs all did their job and it was one of those games where there's very few negatives to take away from it, to be honest. Yeah, very much so. Uh, the scenes after the game as well, they were absolutely yeah. fantastic with players on the pitch. Uh, Ange Postacoglu uh, in the centre circle as well as obviously greeting all the players. And we've seen the social media videos of the fans in the South Stand, you know, all chanting Postacoglu's name. It's uh, really, really good to see because, I mean, if you go back to the previous home game, that wasn't great, was it? Uh, Brentford. <laughs> So that's yeah. when uh, they yeah, no, the, the turned the volume up, didn't they? Right at the end uh, of the game. Just so you, you can't hear the, any the walk of shame around the pitch at the end. Yeah, so like chalk and cheese comparison between the final home game of last season. Up, no, on, not at all. And I know Andrew was asked in his press conference about the moment they had in uh, the centre circle. What exactly did he say then? Yeah, it was it was really kind of fascinating moment because it was quite unpostocoglui. <laughs> That's a really awkward word, um, but we're used to him being very much about kind of the team and and the moment and and the collective and and this was him just stepping out of that just for a second and just I think really appreciate it. Do you know what it? Again, I don't want to make... I am now. I'm going to do it anyway. But it reminded me slightly of... There was a moment when Pochettino, the White Hart Lane finale, just had this little look around. And I think he was tearful as well. And it was just a real connection. And you could just feel the connection between him, the club, the fans and everything. And again, this is his first home game. So I don't want to massively say it was exactly the same, but it just gave me that little bit of a vibe of it. Um, of just Postacoglu feeling that bond and feeling that he was home. And that was huge for me because I think I've got, yeah, I have got his quotes here somewhere. Um, he said, I've got them right at the end of this piece. He said, you want to feel that moment because I've always said to me, I love what football does to people, particularly in those moments. So to take a moment to think about the 60,000 fans here or the ones who are watching at home because they were smart, they will be smiling for the rest of the week. I love that it does that, the game. For me, that moment is just about appreciating that I'm pretty blessed to be doing what I'm doing, being in the middle of a stadium, leading a fantastic football club, and then you start to think about next week, mate. And do you know what? Do you know what I probably liked out of all of that? isn't it nice to have a manager who really wants to be at Spurs and is really pleased and proud to be at Spurs? <laughs> I was like, as soon as it was like that, I kind of naturally smiled when he started to say that at a press conference because I just thought, with no disrespect intended to Antonio Conte, who's a fantastic manager who's achieved incredible things in his career, Antonio Conte, I don't think I ever got the impression that he was particularly proud to be at Tottenham Hotspur and he was particularly felt blessed to be at Tottenham Hotspur. Um... Whereas you feel like for Postacoglu, and I think this was part of that moment as well for him, he has fought tooth and nail in his career to get to where he has now. He has been kind of looked down upon because of the fact he's Australian. He said that himself. In the football world, there's not Australians aren't looked at as the, the pinnacle. It's taken him so long to get to Europe in any kind of serious capacity as a manager. He has gone across the world, whether it be from Australia, all the different levels of the international setup, whether it be various teams in the A-League, whether it be 
<clears throat> excuse me, going off to Greece for a brief spell in a kind of a problematic club there, whether it be going to Japan uh, as a manager, whether it be going to Scotland to, where nobody kind of knew him and he was ridiculed when he first got there. And here he was beating arguably, well, you could probably say the most well-known English club in the world, Manchester United. This was a club that 23 years ago he was taken on with South Melbourne in the Club World Cup. It was so fitting that it was Man U. And there was this little moment as he was walking off the pitch. He did a like a lap of appreciation and the fans singing his name. It was lovely. But it was a little moment where I felt like, not the mask slipped or anything, but just you just saw... Um, the real Postacoglu, the family man come through. He spotted his family and friends up in the stands. And honestly, I don't think I've ever seen him grin as widely and as happily as he did in that moment. He waved at them. He kind of punched his fist towards them as well. Because I think some of his mates were there. He said they were trying to get tickets. And I think he said a load of his mates are Man U fans as well. So he was probably like, yeah, in your face kind of thing. Um, And... I just think there was a moment for him. I hope he got home and his, I'm sure they would have done, but his family and friends would have just felt so proud for him that what, a, you know, he's 57 years old and he's managed to get and fight to get to that moment and then do that. And I think the fans appreciate that. And I think you saw that. I mean, the Postacoglu chants that were going on, not only in the South Stand, but the concourse after was rocking. The atrium out the South Stand, I've seen the videos. Obviously, we don't come out that way. Uh, we come out the other side, but I've seen the videos of them bouncing up and down. And there's about three different songs for him. There's one I saw doing the rounds as well that involves Pochettino, which is particularly not the most uh, flattering to Pochettino now and all about loving uh, Postacoglu instead and all this sort of stuff. And it's huge for him because he said it on Friday that it's a little bit of blind faith in terms of they're singing his name, but not really having seen what he can do yet. And I think, like I said earlier, Saturday's performance really gave the fans the really the visuals. They got to see exactly what Postacoglu can bring them. And if he can continue to bring in that kind of swagger and that kind of style and football to Tottenham Hotspur, they're going to fall completely in love with him. Honestly, they really are the fans. Um, and I think likewise, we were talking about this before the game, how his career actually... He's been almost little, you could almost argue he's been a bit nomadic in the Conte sense in that he hasn't spent lots and lots of years. I think in Japan he was there for about three, four years. He was there for a while. But I feel with him more so than Conte. With Conte, it's very much, I'm on to the next project. With Postacoglu, I think it's it's been more about stepping stones. It's about his career building to kind of next moments. And you kind of feel it with Spurs, with the setup that's there and the potential of the club, if someone like Postacoglu can grab hold of it and kind of shake those that make the decisions into actually making the right ones more often than not, he could have everything he needs at Tottenham Hotspur to really create some kind of legacy there. I mean, it's still very, very early days. And, and you know, and I'm pretty sure he did grow up a Liverpool fan. I think he said that before as well. So whether one day the law of Liverpool is something, that's that's many, 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 many years in the future. But what I would say is that everything's there at Spurs for him to to be like one of his idols, to be a Ferguson type kind of thing. Or even Guardiola. Guardiola, how many years has he been at City now? It's a long time. I think eight it might years? be his eighth season. That he yeah. took over 2016 and I think Pep was one of these... I think maybe I'd walk three years at Bayern Munich and you're thinking it'll do the same at City, but no. It's been there. It's probably been there longer than Barcelona. No. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I think, and that shows you that maybe some of the best managers in the game now considered to be, and the previous ones, you know, likes of Guardiola and Klopp and Ferguson before them, they've stuck around at their clubs. They have. Um, obviously, you know, Mourinho's had incredible success trophy-wise. Conte's had lots of success trophy-wise. And they both are managers that, that flit around a bit more and go to different clubs. But there definitely is a bit of a theme, I think, in some of these top, top managers. And very early days for Postacogu. We'll see where it goes. This is Tottenham Hotspur. It's anything can happen next. You know, any single moment can suddenly twist around. But everything's in place for him to be a huge success and the fans are really taken to him and that will give him more time to build what he wants to build because there will be setbacks there will be moments when they make mistakes there will be games that they lose that we don't expect them to lose there may be even the old game where they get a bit of a tonking where just for some reason the open attacking nature the the play just gets found out in a certain game because he admitted himself he's going to have to tweak things for the Premier League he's got to adapt and continue to learn as well um, but I do think that the immediate affection for him is going to buy him more time which is great because at Spurs you need all the time you can get um, and I just think he's huge for the football club I think he's a guy now that can stand there as a figurehead. I don't think it's any coincidence that straight away after the game, Spurs tweeted out our head coach and a big kind of photo of him. Because right now, with you know differing opinions on what's happening at the top of the club and and uh, decisions that are made up there, you've now got someone that can stand in front and be a very acceptable public face uh, of the football club. And he's going to inspire people. He's not going to tell them how their football club, how they need to be realistic. And how their football club isn't really that good, but maybe can be in the future. He's going to tell them that, yeah. And he said it as well. He's used the suffering term that Conte used. He's going to have to suffer, but we're going to get there. And he's got, oh, it's a message of hope. It's a message of positive uh, positivity. And it's a message of looking forward at how good things can be rather than worrying about what they are now. Um, and that goes a long way, I think, with the fans. Yeah, the love and support for Postacoglu from the fronts already it's just incredible to see because mm-hmm. you know go back to the start of June I think there was a lot of people who probably questioned the appointment of him given you know where he'd managed previously but he's transformed that in such a short period of time you know he's absolutely worshipped at Celtic and I can remember saying on the pod just wait till he speaks for the first time he'll have you hooked and I think he already has and then when you're delivering performances like that Everyone just wants more and more. And yeah, it, it's a start. I think there's more to come. He's going to be ups and downs, but I think Tottenham fans have, you know, fine, have a manager in charge of the club who's going to play football the right way and can hopefully take them places as well going forward. Can I just have it on record. If anyone that didn't listen to the podcast pre Postacoglu, Rob Guest was absolutely lobbying for Postacoglu to come to Tottenham Hotspur from day one. He was his pick. He was the one he wanted. And everything that is happening now under Postacoglu is what Rob Guest predicted. I had to be convinced. Absolutely. I had to go away and do my research as Rob had already done. I had to go away and kind of learn a hell of a lot more about him than I already knew. And then I started to get on the Ange train. But guess he was there from day one. And I have to say that about him as, as much as it upsets me. 
Guessy was there. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And every little bit and pieces he said in those podcasts, if you want to go back and listen to them, has kind of come to fruition already with Posto Oglu. So, yeah, fair play, Guesty. I begrudgingly say fair play. <laughs> yeah, don't blame me if it goes wrong in the next few months. Oh, I, will. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. Before we finish, I think we need to speak about transfers because... It's been a bit slow, certainly in terms of outgoing so far this summer. What have we had? Three, Harry Winks, Harry Kane, Joe Roden. Uh, yes. I think that's Yeah, it. a couple of youngsters leaving, but other than, yeah, first team, definitely just the three. Yeah, it did pick up in terms of incomings a week or so ago with obviously Mickey van der Ben, Ashley Phillips, uh, Alejo Belize joining the club, but more, more needs to be done and Given the transfer deadline is 11pm Friday, September the 1st, we're now in, what, 10 days or so away from the deadline. There's an awful lot of players to move on. And I think Postacoglu said it uh, in, it was after the press conference, wasn't it? It was in the bit with the newspapers section where he basically said there might be some players who don't move on and he can't really afford to burn bridges. So... It's going to be interesting to see how these next 10 or 11 days play out because there's still an awful lot to do for Tottenham. Yeah, and I think people are maybe slightly misunderstanding the concept of having to get players out the door. I think there's this real kind of... I understand frustrations with the club, but I think people are using it as a... Why are they saying they're skint kind of thing and have to get the player that It's not to do with the financial element. I've said this a million times, Spurs still haven't taken out actually I'm going to double check that now just as I but they still haven't taken out the 50 million pound from the um, capital share issue from Enoch that's remaining so it's not a financial thing it's a, a ridiculous amount of players in a squad and it's unmanageable as well because I mean you did a I mean tell you what you just you explain it tell us the exact numbers if you got if you don't have them I've got them to hand um, but the, the squad limit numbers and where Spurs are really coming a cropper on it yeah, uh, in terms of the Premier League, you have to submit a 25-man uh, squad to the Premier League once the transfer window is shut. Uh, in terms of the 25-man squad, you cannot name more than 17 non-homegrown players. Tottenham currently have 20, but if the likes of Sergio Reguillon, Hugo Lloris, Tangi on the belly move on, then obviously they'll hit that 17-number limit. But that's without uh, any new signings that might be foreign. Yeah. Uh, and then the rest of the squad made up of obviously homegrown players. I think there might be 10, 11, something at the moment. So I think it worked out there's six over the limit of 25. Yeah. 31 in total, yeah. eight yeah. over 21. Yeah. yeah. Players such as Destiny Doggy, Pape Matassar, uh, they can be included on the under 21 list because of their age. What certainly. That's a massive help to Tottenham uh, this summer, given the big numbers. So there's got to be movement, uh, both probably in terms of the homegrown and the non-homegrown numbers, just in order to hit that 25-man limit and make sure there's enough room still to add new signings in. So, yeah, there's plenty to do. If you didn't understand that, what I was saying, if I said anything wrong, it's on the website. I did an article <laughs> last week explaining it. Absolutely. So in essence, just in a pure, easy number for people to know, you can only register 25 players. Spurs have got 31 that have to be registered 
uh, or squeezed into suddenly in a 25-man sh- uh, squad. So they've got six they have to get rid of immediately uh, to even fit in what they have now. And if you want to see two or three new signings come in, that means you're looking at potentially nine outgoings. Um, and <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's there's different schools of thoughts. There's people who are just thinking like, well, if they don't go anywhere, who cares? Just let them rot in the background. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really work like that. And and that's that's a very expensive rot <laughs> to have in the background. <laughs> Um, there's the other school of thought, which is just just get them out the door, get them out the door. Again, think about it. All those clubs that are either buying clubs or clubs that will want to loan them, they're going to wait out to the last possible minute and make sure that they get the best possible deal. Everything that Spurs try and do, all these clubs are going to try and do as well. Because let's say, uh, let's use Tongi and Dembele. It's clear, Postacoglu is, is not going to play him. He's, he's messed up his chance, Tongi. If I'm a club looking at Tongi or have any thought of taking him to my club, I know that 11 days before the window shuts, I'm probably not going to go in there for him. I'm going to wait until the last couple of days when the Spurs are desperate to offload him out of their squad, get his weight, some of his wages off the bill at least, and I'm going to come in there with a loan offer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll stick an option in there. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe we'll take him. And it, we've seen it before because it's happened twice already. Leon and uh, Napoli have both uh, uh, taken him and neither has taken up any buy option that has been included. So, yeah, it's in an ideal world. Yeah, of course, we'd, we'd love that. I've seen people saying, yeah, chuck him in the deal for player X. <laughs> so it doesn't work like that either. You can't just say, you know, we'll throw in a Jed Spence and a Tongi on Dembele if you give us your guy. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work like that either. Unfortunately, you can absolutely blame the recruitment in the first place, these players. You can blame the constant chopping and changes of managers, which has meant a squad that's got players that are just not going to play under Postacoglu. He's had a proper look at them all, but it's just players that aren't going to play under him. Um, and now it's a case of getting the required interest. And yeah, they are going to have to cut their losses on a few of them. There are going to have to be players that are going to go for far. I mean, Tongyon Dembele cost around £60 million. You know, let's be honest, the likelihood is they're either going to sell him for about 15 or they're going to loan him out and pray that he has a really good season and applies himself somewhere and his value goes up next summer when I think he's got a year left after that. He must have about two years left as well. This is their other issue. They've got so many players that have only got two years left on their contract. And uh, and some of them, like Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer, they've only got one year left. And again, absolutely criticise the situation that has allowed that to happen um, and the decisions that have been made up to this point. But yeah, just to kind of say we need to get them out. And and again, if you bring in, like you say, if you bring in two to three players now, you're going to have to get those out the door. Funnily enough, the one who you could bring in is Gift Orban. Because as you put in your piece, he fits in the under 21 list. So he doesn't actually part of that kind of problem. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether if they do move for someone, it's him. Because, you know, they like the likes of him and, and Brendan Johnson as well, though. Brendan Johnson's 22, isn't he? I don't know whether he right. squeezes in birth date-wise into that under-21 list or not. Sometimes it's based on the season rather than the year, isn't it? Um, I think Gift Orban would be a much cheaper um, equivalent to um, Brendan Johnson, a different kind of player slightly as well. But, yeah. I'm sorry. I know people are so excited to see more transfers. And I genuinely think there will be more to come. I don't think they'll finish without any more incomings. 
but there's so many outgoings that have to happen. And, you know, I, I was looking through, and there are genuinely at least nine players that could head out of that door. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if that happens, but it's on Spurs to make it happen. And let's be honest, it's on also the agents of all of those players to make that happen as well, to drum up and find some interest. Whether it, I think we'll see some players going to some rather unexpected places in these last couple of, uh, like, 10, 11 days. Because I think you will find that options have, have kind of been short for them. Um, and you'll suddenly see them rock up in the most unexpected of places. Um, because the agents, they don't want their players sitting there on a contract. Um, while some players may be happy to do that, uh, kind of unambitiously just sitting there picking up money, agents want their players to be seen. They want them to be playing. They want to be shown that they're doing the right thing for their players as well. So, um, yeah, there's going to be, I think there's going to be a little bit of movement this week in terms of a couple of outgoings. But I think you'll probably end up, and it's not what Postacoglu wanted, but I just think it's a, the nature of the market. You'll probably see more of it happening in the final week. Yeah, uh, there's an awful lot to do for Tottenham. That's fair to say in the final two weeks of the window. And someone tweeted me the other day, basically saying, just get rid of this fodder. And then that's the problem <laughs> right there. The fodder, Deadwood. These are players who, you know, haven't been pulling up any trees over the past yeah. couple of years. They've been struggling. So it's like, why are clubs going to want to, you know, bring them in? Bit of a vicious circle, really, in terms of, if Tottenham wanting to get rid of players, but then they just can't because they've not been performing well. So, yeah. There's a reason the Saudi clubs aren't going for them either. I suppose yes. they're the one club that Saudi <laughs> clubs aren't even bothering with, apart from Kane and Son. Yeah, so a lot to do uh, in what remains of the transfer window. And fingers crossed there will be a couple more incomings because I think it's clear to see that, you know, Postacoglu's squad could do with uh, another boost or two here or there. Right. I think that we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham. So thank you as ever for listening in. Just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.